Hello, my love, and welcome back. Today we are on the sixth insight of the Celestine Prophecy, and I am going to dive right in. As always, if you haven't watched or listened to the previous ones, head back to those first because these all intertwine, but I'm gonna assume that you already have, so let's dive into the sixth one, okay? So the fifth insight was all about getting the energy that we need from the creator instead of trying to play out control dramas um, needing to control manipulate to gather energy from one another to connect directly to source and be the channel to bring it through now what stops that you know if it were as simple as i made it seem in the previous <laughs> recording um, if it were that easy to just constantly remain that open channel and constantly receive that loving energy, we would all be doing it all the time, right? And so the sixth insight has to do with what actually blocks this and hinders this and gets in the way. So the sixth insight in the Celestine Prophecy has to do with the control dramas, right? And the reasons why we unconsciously play out these certain things so the example that i had given a while back about the child and the parents if the parents are exerting a certain amount of pressure or control on their child the child only has a few ways to respond right and that could be playing small dimming conforming that could be having to try extra hard to fight and take up space and throw tantrums and finally be noticed, right? Those are different examples of control dramas that now play out and eventually as the child gets over, uh, older, become a natural part of their psyche, their identity, their habits, the way that they think they need to operate in the world in order to get what they want. So I'm going to give a lot of examples directly from the book because uh, when I read this chapter, I was like blown away. I was like, oh my God, this makes so much sense about so many things. Um, because, okay, have you ever had a friend who, a friend or a family member who is constantly asking questions and they're, it feels like they're trying to control or manipul manipulate you because they just wanna know all the details, right? Um, like I've experienced this multiple times where uh, then personally for me, I've been intimidated or I felt like it's not safe to share because they might use this against me later. I don't fully trust them with the information they're asking for. It doesn't feel safe to share it because it might get thrown back in my face later, right? All these different moments that then cause me to try to retreat and kind of bottle up. Uh, maybe you've been in the opposite situation or you've experienced times where uh, it's like pulling teeth to get information from someone. <laughs> I, I'm sure that's how like some of my friends have felt in the past because I 
I don't seem it online, but in real life, I'm like quite a closed book uh, unless I feel really, really safe with someone. So I have a lot of friends who I'm sure they're like pulling teeth, right? I feel like I'm being interrogated by them because they're asking so many questions, but they probably feel like it's so challenging to get even any information from me because I'm sitting there totally closed off, not wanting to share it, right? So these are just a couple examples, but let me find the first, the first drama. So key backtrack, the key thing about this, as I kind of said, is that these controlled dramas typically start in our childhood. So if you at all have done any kind of inner child work or looked at your unconscious or subconscious patterns even once before, uh, I'm going to make an educated guess that you've probably traced things back to your childhood. Now, depending on the depth of the work you've done, you may have already uncovered like, oh, these are certain behaviors or habits or beliefs I learned from my mother. These are certain behaviors, habits, beliefs I've learned from my father. These were things that, you know, I never felt like I could ever be good enough for my mom because there was always a critique. There was always a judgment. So I just felt so unworthy or I never felt this way because of my dad doing X, Y, Z, right? There's these different experiences we've all gone through because of our parents' uh, level of consciousness as well as their control dramas from their childhood and the generation before that, right? It all hands down that good old intergenerational trauma <laughs> where we get to become who we are today. So the main character is very aloof. He's someone who doesn't really open up, doesn't really trust people. He is not very quick to share valuable information. Uh, people typically throughout the course of the book have been sharing with him. And he's not really been the first one to like jump to uh, respond and share it back. But he's kind of taking it in. And this is an example of that control dynamic with one another. He's totally unconscious of it, but he's kind of, it's like a power play, right? Because he's not sharing. He's kind of the mysterious aloof off over here guy. And it draws people to him. And then they maybe are giving their energy, asking questions and that fills him up more, makes him feel a little bit more empowered or in control uh, versus the other way around. So he's kind of gaining his energy through that process. Now, I'm going to read from the book because a lot of this came from his childhood. So there, there's a dialogue between him and his guide at that time. And he's saying basically that yeah the longer you keep people interested and mystified the more energy you're receiving because these people are giving you their full energy right it's like a spotlight on him and he's able to receive their energy but because of this non-equal flow um, his life is going to evolve slowly because you're repeating the same scene over and over again so they kind of talk of it like a scene in the movie, right? 
your certain pattern. My pattern or my scene in the movie is being more of the quiet, mysterious wallflower who is either completely overlooked or draws people in and then they're kind of giving me their energy, interrogating and unconsciously, I never realized it before until reading this book, I would be feeling like I'm gaining energy from them, okay? So this, this goes back into his childhood now and they say, okay, remember, you know, these started where our family members were operating in their own drama, trying to pull energy out of us as children. So we had to have a strategy to win our energy back. And it's usually, or the book says, it's always in relation to our family members that we develop our particular dramas. However, once we recognize the energy dynamics in our families, we can go past these control strategies and see what was really happening. Um, and when we understand that, we can uncover who we truly are, uh, which I would say is very similar to the work I focus on of like healing the traumas because underneath it is who you truly are. The traumas and the limiting conditioning in your mind is blocking you and blocking your true essence from shining through. So when we, when we can decondition and clear those things out and the stuff from childhood, the stuff you learn from your parents, from your culture, your society, from the media, as you clear that out and you are very aware of what is you and what is not you, you can then naturally begin to align on your soul's path and your purpose because you're just like, oh, this is who I truly am. This is what lights me up and what I'm here to do. Or in this case, how I'm here to evolve, right? It's all at the end of the day about spiritual evolution. So as we look at his particular family, um, his example is my dad was a great, good, fun-loving, capable, um, but he was always critical. I could never do anything right. So he'd ask questions and then he always found something wrong with the answers. Um, and then the guide says, what happened to your energy? And he says, I guess I felt drained. So I tried to keep from telling him anything. And the guide says, so you, you mean you got vague and distant, trying to say things in a way that would get his attention, but not reveal enough to give him something to criticize. He was the interrogator and you dodged around him with your aloofness. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is hitting me in the feels. Um, because I think of for myself in my upbringing, a lot, that I would say that's kind of what happened as I got older. Um, so I'm going to break down the different types of dramas. And as I mentioned, you're probably going to notice certain friendships as well as family dynamics where these really play out. And you realize, oh, this is, yeah, this is why I always feel this way with someone. You know, you maybe have a friend where it's like, it always feels like this competition ensues or it always feels like there's a power dynamic or a struggle to prove yourself. I would say that's key. That's a big one for me because of control dramas with my parents. And so always feeling like I need to prove even more uh, why I'm worthy and stuff like that. So 
The interrogator is one kind of drama. So we've mentioned the aloof, kind of distant, hold back, closed book kind of control drama. But now we've got the interrogator kind of drama. This is people who use this means of gaining energy, set up a drama of asking questions and probing into another person's world with the specific purpose of finding something wrong. Once they do, then they criticize this aspect of the other's life. If this strategy succeeds, then the person being criticized is pulled into the drama. They suddenly find themselves becoming self-conscious around the interrogator, paying attention to what the interrogator is doing and thinking about so as to not do something wrong that the interrogator would notice. Um, this psychic deference gives the interrogator the energy he desires. And I know for myself, when I think of specific friendship dynamics in the past or, or even family dynamics, I would say this was very, this felt like my dynamic with my mom a lot because my dad was just like not involved. So my mom was always wanting to know everything that was going on. And often it came from a loving place, but she also was very judgmental and very critical of herself and others. And this very like perfectionist kind of mindset, it felt like growing up. And so it felt like she was always asking questions for the purpose of finding something wrong or something that didn't measure up. And what it felt like then is even when she wasn't asking the questions from a very young age, I found myself on high alert and feeling anxious or like, oh no, what's mom gonna say? Or oh, what's gonna happen because of this or this test result? Or like, I did this thing wrong according to her and now, and so I'm actually like energetically giving all this energy to her even when she's not around because I'm always in a maybe state of fear around the fact that I can't measure up and that I'm going to be interrogated about it, right? So when it's, it goes on to say, when you're around someone like this, when you get caught up in this drama, don't you tend to act a certain way so that the person won't criticize you? They pull you off your own path and drain your energy because you judge yourself by what, by what they might be thinking. And so we find ourselves, if you're stuck in this cycle, uh, and again, I would say my days of extreme anxiety, so anyone watching or listening who is currently feeling a lot of anxiety, I'm gonna guess that this is somehow related because when you're hyper, insecure or hyper anxious and you're always worrying about what everyone else is thinking of you and the judgment they might have or the things they might say the ways that you aren't enough and how you're not going to measure up for their standards you are constantly in a very defeated state you know your energy oh like your life force energy is just constantly flowing out to all those other people it's like pipelines <laughs> or energetic cords, right? And you're like sending this person energy, that person, because I'm constantly worrying about 
what would this person say? What would my mom think? What would they do about it? Oh, they're gonna respond in a really negative way, right? And so then when I do see them, I'm walking on eggshells or I'm dimming my truth or hiding a part of me or trying to be someone I'm not so as to avoid, you know, the judgment and therefore I'm not being my true self. And therefore I'm also not connected to source because I'm just like, in this energy drain constantly, right? So that's the example of the interrogator. Uh, and then the other examples it says is, okay, there's also the int intimidator, okay? If someone threatens you verbally or physically, then you are forced for fear of something bad happening to you to pay attention to him and so to give him energy. The person threatening you would be pulling you into the most aggressive kind of drama, which is the intimidator. So they're threatening, forcing, invoking fear. You know, that brings up the image of maybe the toxic masculine parent, right? The really negative uh, father figure who's invoking a lot of fear and punishment, kind of, that could be a mother figure too, so it could go either way. But the aggression playing out, um, then it's also got the poor me as the other control drama. So this is someone who tells you all the horrible things that are already happening, um, kind of the victim mentality, um, implying maybe that you're responsible or that if you refuse to help, these horrible things are going to continue. And this person is seeking to control you at a passive level, um, which is the poor me drama, right? Someone who makes you feel guilty, right? Um, and again, I can just think of so many instances. I'm not going to keep sharing my childhood <laughs> on here. But hopefully this is resonating with you where you can understand or uncover in your own reality. Like there's the aggressive, right? The intimidator who's like always, always raining down and um, invoking fear, instilling fear. And so you never feel like you're enough or you're always on high alert. Then you've got the poor me, which is the victim who's always in a victim story they're always in their struggle and somehow they're always tying you into it or making you feel responsible or making you feel like you're adding to it or like it's your fault and obviously that is draining energy from you right um then we had the interrogator who was like the questions right the controlling through all the questions and then there was the aloof, right? Who pulls back completely. Now what's so ironic and so cool about this insight is then it continues to go on to say how um, they fuel one another and they all are kind of interconnected in different ways. And so Sometimes, you know, we end up doing the same thing as our parents. Sometimes we have the opposite. Like the example, both his parents were the interrogators. So then he became extremely aloof because um, 
then he just kind of pulled back all of his energy because nothing, nothing he could say or do was going to be right anyway. So he didn't want to give them more information to pick apart and take from. Okay. But, um, this is maybe my favorite part in terms of how they all connect and then how we get into transcending them is, um, he, the guide says, at least they weren't intimidating you. And at least you never feared for your safety. Um, what would have happened in that case? You would have become stuck in a poor me drama. Do you see how this works? If you are a child and someone is draining your energy by threatening you with bodily harm, then being aloof doesn't work. You can't get them to give you energy by playing coy. They don't give a damn what's going on inside you. They're coming on too strong. So you're forced to become more passive and to try the poor me approach, appealing to the mercy and guilt tripping them about the harm they are doing. If this doesn't work, then as a child, you endure it until you're big enough to explode against the violence and fight aggression with aggression, um, which is like the child we talked about in, I think, the fourth insight. Uh, maybe I can't even remember if I talked about it, but the parents were super aggressive to her and then she lashed back with aggression and throwing things because like she couldn't play small, she couldn't be the victim, she couldn't be aloof, their energy was coming down on her so much and physically, mentally, emotionally coming down on her so much that the only way she could try to feel somewhat empowered or in control was to fight back. So aggressor versus aggressor, right? A person goes to whatever extreme necessary to get attention energy in their family. And after that, this strategy becomes their dominant way of controlling to get energy from everyone. And it's the drama they constantly repeat. And so if um, they go into the interrogator develops because if you were a child and your family members were either not there or they ignored you because they were preoccupied with their careers, um, then playing aloof would not get their attention. They wouldn't notice it. So wouldn't you have to resort to probing and prying and finally finding something wrong in these aloof people in order to force attention and energy? This is what an interrogator does. So aloof people actually create interrogators and then interrogators make people aloof and the intimidators create the poor me or another intimidator. And so these all just cycle through. And I'm going to give one last example because that was a lot at the end here. But my dad was very distant. He was very just old school, go to work, come home, eat his dinner, go to bed. So I never really saw him, like I saw him, but we never really had quality time. And all I wanted was quality time. So I was an interrogator to my dad who was aloof. He was distant, uninvolved, not really paying attention. So I had to, as a child, try to fight, right? Ask questions, like go deeper, try to desperately pull energy from him in order to get attention. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't really work and he just continued to stay pretty aloof. And eventually as I got older, then I 
also tried to use that as control because I could see things that could be improved or changed and I just wanted to be seen and heard. And so I would continue to maybe like project or put my things out there hoping he would finally listen or respect or have a conversation, but he was still quite aloof. In the reverse, my mother was the intimidator or interrogator to me, where I felt she was always putting her questions on me and I felt I could never measure up. There was always something wrong or judged about what I was doing or saying, or it just never felt like it was perfect. And so I became aloof to her. So it's interesting how this plays out with different relationships. And I would say probably my more dominant state until the last few years um, and doing more child inner child healing and stuff was very much the aloof person. So my kind of coping mechanism or safety mechanism is to just pull all energy back, pull myself back completely and wait until if or when people come and almost have to like pry it out of me through their interrogation. So it's fascinating. Now, the very end of this that I'm just going to bring up here is that as with any healing, the first step is awareness. So when you become aware of what sort of patterns may be playing out, what sort of things you observed in your childhood, the experiences you had with your parents and whichever role they were playing in and therefore whichever role you unconsciously adopted, when you become aware of it, you can start to bring healing into it. You can start to change. So I know even a month ago, a month or two ago, I had a, a like heated argument with someone and like heated situation and I had the aloofness and I actually realized it for the first time where I was like, oh dear, <laughs> this is me being my dad because I'm just now fully avoiding the situation and trying to pull myself back and like pretend it's not happening and naturally they're wanting to get a rise out of me so they're sending more things more anger more questions more interrogations more intimidation and i'm just over here like this right and had i let it continue much longer i could have possibly turned into the poor me victim of like oh you know this person's doing all these things to me and woe is me but in reality from that higher level perspective we can see that because i was pulling out completely it triggered them a lot more and they felt more disrespected and so their control drama and coping mechanism was to then push harder right and mine was then to retreat harder and I'm not condoning ever any kind of aggression or uh, justifying these kinds of behaviors, but it's fascinating to have the awareness and understand where it came from for both of us. And when I look at their childhood and what they had experienced, they experienced a lot of the intimidator and the interrogator. So they kind of defaulted into that that their parents were doing because they were feeling out of control and spiraling a little bit 
and I was feeling out of control and spiraling a little bit. And so I defaulted to the same coping mechanisms as my parents, right? So it truly is wild because it's just like we unconsciously play out until we become conscious. And it's in the conscious awareness that, as I said, then we can start to make changes and realize, okay, I don't want to perpetuate the cycle. I don't want to repeat the pattern. I want to change things, even if it's baby steps at a time, like, right, like little steps each day, um, where then I can start to go, I don't want to be the poor me. I don't want to always be the victim. And siphoning other people's energy because of my victimhood and like needing them to come in and save me or I don't want to always be aloof and distant to the point that then people have to try really hard to like break my walls down or I don't want to be controlling by asking all these questions and overwhelming people um and at the end of the day it's not even to say you know that there's anything wrong necessarily with these um like obviously in extreme cases so i'm not condoning like again abuse or anything like that but it's the fact that we unconsciously do this because we don't feel in control of ourselves and because we don't feel connected to source because as i said in the previous insight when we feel connected to source completely and our cup is so full from that connection, then we don't need to interrogate and look for little loopholes or look for errors to criticize and judge in someone. Or we don't need to pull our energy back completely and be aloof and distant or be the intimidator and try to gain power over them right? None of those power dynamics come into play when we're living from our heart and when we're connected to source. So it's a chicken and egg situation or a catch-22 because you can't feel 100% fully connected to source all the time as long as these control dramas are playing out, uh, but you cannot solve the control dramas until you have the awareness and then with the awareness, then you can be more connected to source and make the changes to connect so that you're not trying to control and manipulate. So it's like this endless cycle and loop that go together, but ultimately it's that daily practice and that consistency of instead of trying to control or even not even trying, instead of just unconsciously controlling other people or manipulating these situations, if I can just connect to source and feel filled and overflowing from there, then I can operate in the world in a much lighter way where I'm not needing to take or gain or one up or feel in control or feel like I know all the things and now I can can judge or condemn or intimidate it, intimidate or guilt trip someone, right? So it's all very good examples of lower level programmings that play out on the planet unconsciously because they've been planted in our subconscious for far longer than either of us have been alive and have continued through generations. And the ending of this sixth insight 
has to do with the fact that our evolution depends on us breaking these because your personal purpose and mission on the planet and your true alignment as your authentic self comes from breaking out of these unconscious things that would otherwise keep you stuck and held back. So every time you shift it or break a layer or uncover another piece, you are allowing yourself to step more into your higher self, be more embodied in your truth, and then show up in the world in a different way. I think of who I was 10 years ago. I was a major victim. I was a poor me and I was incredibly aloof and on occasion the interrogator, but mostly a poor me victim. And I got energy from other people sitting in my victimhood with me because I didn't feel energetically connected to source. And my evolution has already shifted or like I've already evolved so much in the last 10 years and I'm only 30, like 31. So I have all these years to continue to shift that. And it's just really beautiful because it changes the planet if we all keep doing that and evolving naturally and breaking out of those old levels of programming, the world will be so much better. So that is insight number six. Thank you for being here with me. If you found this helpful, please give it a thumbs up, like, share, subscribe if you haven't already. And I will see you very soon on the next video. Bye for now.